I was searching for for something else. But it wasn't until my coach had to sit me down and take me by the shoulders and say, you realize where you are right now has been a result of all the choices you have made and you have chosen to make your husband's happiness and your kid's happiness your only priority. And you can choose to do something different. And it was like a huge weight had lifted off my shoulders. And I was like, oh my God, like my husband's not the asshole that I thought he was. Midlife Ladies. This is the Dear Midlife Podcast. Unapologetic girl talk that will help you remember who you are and figure out who in the hell you want to become. I'm Shelby Bybee, karaoke party queen, single mom, and an extrovert to a fault. And I'm Trinity Greenfield, a wild-haired woman full of sass, sparkle, and a heavy dose of black girl magic. So grab a glass and let's dive into the messy middle. Okay, so Shelby, tell me if this story resonates with you. Boy meets girl. Girl puts boy on a pedestal. Boy and girl have three kids. And then girl makes herself the lowest priority. And then girl loses herself and her power. And girl hits crisis point. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, only for like, um, say, the last 16 years since my (laughs) oldest child was born. (laughs) I mean, I still have mama guilt anytime I do anything for myself and my kids are independent now. So yeah, I mean, crazy. It's like, I feel like I'm doing something wrong if I go on a date or do something for myself. And if this story resonates with you, it doesn't have to be the end of the story because our guest today, Tanya Marie Biddle, puts an end to this age old narrative and instead in her own words, grew a set of balls, learned how to ask for what she needed. Oh my God. And fought against her internal and external resistance and now has become a coach to help other women in this position. Yeah. And now Tani Marie holds space for women everywhere as a coach and mentor to working moms while they rediscover who they are as they're growing children no longer need or probably more frankly, no longer want them (laughs) around anymore. Right. Right. So but she supports them to create the next season of their lives. And she has created incredible resources that Mm -hmm. support her clients with all of these things. Tanya is an avid planner and organizer. Girl, I wish I had your juju (laughs) in this space. She mentors her clients through this process of planning their personal development so that they can create the habits and the rituals and the routines that they need that are going to move them forward into action. Here's what I love. She's an accountability and self-empowerment mama coach. Uh, Hashtag mouthful. Total mouthful. Right? (laughs) She's a professionally trained coach for working moms with teenage kids. And she specializes in supporting them Mm. while they rediscover themselves to live life on their terms. Amen. Mm. Yes. And like, you know what? I literally had a conversation with my sister just last night about the importance of setting boundaries. And this episode is all about how you do that. And so if this episode resonates with you, please share this episode with a friend, leave us a review, 
and share a boundary that you've set with your loved ones and how you grew as a result. Mm, We can't wait to hear about it. We can't wait to hear. And so without further ado, let's welcome our guest today, Tanya Marie Biddle. Tanya, thank you so much for being here. Welcome. Yay. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here and and to chat with you and hopefully, you know, provide some, you know, tips and tricks and nuggets for all your audience. Absolutely. I am particularly excited as we were getting on the podcast. I said that I have children that are 14 and 16, and we know that you focus in on helping moms to, I guess, reclaim their sense of self. Once their kids reach this age when they no longer need them. And one of the things that really stood out to me in the literature that you sent to us is this idea that as mothers, we tend to make ourselves the very last Mm -hmm. priority in life. And so I would love to hear what your perspective of what is the impact of that? And why do, why do we do this? Why do we put ourselves last all the time? I think, you know, for me um, and from what I've experienced for my clients, you know, that's what we are, uh, you know, convinced that, that that's our role. You know, our um, role is to be the nucleus of the family. Our role is to be the primary carer. And we feel that we have to. Um, just put ourselves last. We have to go without what our children need to be our highest priority. And of course, the result of that is for me in particular, um, I ended up feeling a lot of um, like isolation, loneliness and Mm -hmm. resentment towards my family. I mean, I love them dearly, but I Mm -hmm. resented how much they had done for them and how little I had done for me. I, I believed that my responsibility was to make them happy and that in return they would do that for me. And, of course, that, you know, it doesn't work that way. Um, We should be responsible for our own happiness. And it took me a long time to work that out. So when we do that for such a long period of time and then we get to the stage where our kids don't need us around as much anymore, we feel really lost. We don't Mm -hmm. know what to do. We've never prioritised ourselves. Um, not since having children anyway. And so then we're like, well, what the hell do I do now? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I am confident that our listener out there resonates with that. So I would love to hear what was your turning point? What was sort of that straw that broke the proverbial camel's back? The mama's back. That broke the mama's back. Broke the mama's back. I would, would, like I said, I'd made my my family's happiness my greatest priority, and I taught them that I was the lowest priority. So I was I was miserable for a very long time. On the outside, it all looked beautiful and perfect. I had the husband and the three kids and the job and the house and the dog and the family, and it was all great on the outside. But on the inside, I was absolutely miserable. And I got some coaching of my own Mm. because I just, I was searching for for something else. You know, there had to be something more out there. I wanted to be more than just a mama. And my kids were still sort of, you know, younger in primary school. But it wasn't until, you know, my coach almost had to sit me down and take me by the shoulders and say, you realize you have chosen this path. Where you are right now has been a result of all the choices you have made. And you have chosen 
to make your husband's happiness and your kids' happiness your only priority. Yeah. And you can choose to do something different. That's not your responsibility. And it was like a huge weight had lifted off my shoulders. And I was like, oh my God, like my husband's not the asshole that I thought he was because <laughs> I made the choice to do that. Like, and you know, I painted him to be the villain because he wasn't supporting me and I was doing so much more than he was. And and you know, this the usual thing that I think a lot of women go through. Mm-hmm. And so that was a huge turning point for me. And then from then on, it was like, no, this is. I am important. My needs are important. And I've started to really think about who I was and what I wanted to do for myself and, you know, started to put the steps in place to make that happen. You know, I love what you said that you taught them that you were second place. And that's really what we do. We have taught our families and the people around us that we are second place or third place, sometimes fourth Mm -hmm. place. I mean, what the list goes on, right? I'm so curious, Tanya, what that first conversation sounded like Mm. with your family when you were like, you know what? Mom is moving into the pole position. Like, what did that sound like? How did you cross that that chasm? It was it was an absolutely terrifying conversation. Mm -hmm. Oh, I can only imagine. Um, So I had that with my husband first and I said to him, look, you know, I love you but your happiness is no longer my responsibility. And, of Mm -hmm. course, the first question you're asked is, well, what does that mean? What does that mean for me? Because, you know, then everybody's asking, well, what about me? Who's going to make me happy then? That's exactly right. Like, so who's going to do all that shit that you do? Like, does that mean I have to do it? And so it's a really tough conversation, and you don't have that conversation once. You have to have that conversation over and over and over again because you have spent years um, not only teaching them but demonstrating to them that you come last. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, reversing that that habit is a very long process. So it wasn't just the one conversation. There were lots of conversations. And putting those boundaries in place and constantly having them tested. So there was, mm-hmm. there was lots of courage and lot, quite a good deal of anger, I must say, like just standing up for myself saying, no, this is what it's going to be like from now on. And, you know, you take a few steps backwards, but yeah, I was, I think the thing that kept me going was that I can't stay where I am. I cannot stay where I am. I've got, this has got to change. Yeah. You know, a couple of things that makes me think about, Number one, in you teaching them that you were second place, it sounds like there was also a lot of other lessons that they didn't learn because their first question was basically, well, who's going to do this for me? Who's going to make me happy? So somewhere in, in our teaching that we are second place, we are also teaching them and you do not need to be responsible for your own maintenance, your own happiness. And they don't have the skills to pull on those things. So I can imagine there was a lot of new teaching and discovering that had to take place in order to make this transition. What did that look like? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And even from the smallest things, like, you know, you start to really question how much you do for everyone and then start to question, well, are you, you know, physically capable of doing that yourself? Right. 
Um, and so there was a lot of that. There was a lot of those conversations. No, you can do that for yourself. That is something that you can do. I don't have to do that for you anymore. Mm. And I'm still doing that because my, you know, my boys are, are older now. So I'm still having that conversation with my daughter. And I have to admit, there is still that resistance in me that crops up every now and then where it's like, well, no, I should be doing that. You know, it's my responsibility to, for example, get her ready for school. Now she's 12. She's in, it's year eight high school over here in Australia. And it was only last year that I said to her, you know what, it's not my job to make sure you get out of bed at the right time every morning. You need to be, you are now 12, you are going into, you know, year eight, set an alarm, get out of bed and have a, because I was doing that for her. She didn't have to worry about that. So it's still, it's not just training your family and your children, it's training yourself to step back and to let go. So it's just a constant reminding yourself, yep, they can do that for themselves and and then showing them, yes, this is how, like, I will show you how to do it more than once if you need me to show you more than once, but you need to start doing this yourself. Yeah. So I love to hear a little bit more about what were the bigger sticking points, because I'm sitting here listening to this. And I think as women, we often and, and maybe maybe the better question is, how did you subdivide these responsibilities with your significant other? Because I feel like there's a lot of responsibilities in the household that just fall to the women. And the things that I'm thinking about are all the stuff that happens at school. You know, yeah. there's a fundraiser. Somehow I'm magically in charge of <laughs> making sure that I know what the fundraiser is, what the responsibilities are following through with the fundraiser, all of these things. Oh, there's a parent teacher conference. Oh, there's after school activities. Guess who seems to suddenly just adopt the responsibility for making sure that everybody gets where they're going to be. What is on the calendar and what's not on the calendar and who's in charge of getting, you know, from here to there and who's picking up snacks and who's, how do you, I mean, I understand how you can subdivide or separate yourselves from what the children do. But there's a lot of adult responsibilities that go into life. So how did you navigate that, say, with your significant other? Yeah, so that that was, and that's sort of where, where the conversation kept leading. When I said I was no longer responsible for his happiness, obviously doing everything that he didn't want to do around the house made him happy. Right, right. <laughs> exactly. This is a perfect arrangement. <laughs> I don't understand what's wrong. Right, exactly. Yeah, everything's perfect. But what I realized was we never actually sat down and had a conversation which involved him saying, these are all the things that I don't want to do and you're so you're going to do them. Mm. It was just I started to do that stuff. He let me do that stuff and it just kept going. So that it was just an unconscious arrangement between the two of us that this mm-hmm. is what this is what you're responsible for, and this is what I do, and everything works perfectly. So when you when we were making that, well, not we was making it, I was making that transition, and basically forcing him into that transition. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of this is what needs to be done. Are you able to support me with that? I need wow. you to pick our daughter up after school. I need you to. So it was definitely having that conversation because 
there was always just an unconscious uh, agreement that I would do it. And I found that sitting around and waiting for him to go, oh, this needs to be done. I'm going to go and do that. Right. And that See a sink full of dishes. I have a great idea. Maybe <laughs> <Right. laughs> yeah, I'll miraculously do these. Didn't happen, huh? No, and it doesn't happen. And, and you know, there was lots of anger and lots of frustration. It's like, how can you not see that, that that needs to be done? But, and it's not that they don't see that it needs to be done. It's just that, well, you've always done it. So that must be your job. So I don't know right. to do it. So there was definitely lots and lots of those repetitive conversations. It's like, this is no longer my responsibility. This is our responsibility. So this is coming up. And this is what I need you to do. And I'm going to do this and you're, I'd like you to do that. So it was, it was definitely having, you know, more of those kind of uncomfortable conversations because they were, it's like, you're asking somebody to do more than they have done for, you know, mm-hmm. several years and they don't ah. like the idea of that happening. So mm-hmm. there are a lot of those conversations, but I think a lot more communication just in general, because, mm. you know, when you, when you make these major changes, that's when the issue of the lack of communication really, you know, arises and makes makes you aware of it because it's like, oh, hang on, I was doing a lot of this stuff without being asked, without it being acknowledged, without it being appreciated. Mm-hmm. And, and it was just an assumption between the both of us. It was an agreement. So, you know, there was just no conversation around that. And so having a lot more conversations around these are the responsibilities that we both need to share. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, in in the work that Shelby and I do around reclaiming kind of your life and reinventing who you are, one of the things we really believe in is this notion of reclaiming your power. And one of the top things that we've discovered to reclaim your power is setting boundaries. And we all know that setting boundaries is not a one-time job. It's a setting and then it's a resetting and yeah. sometimes negotiating and then renegotiating and resetting the boundaries. What did you find? I think it's really interesting. You know, we've always kind of thought of it in the vein of doing this with an adult, but I think it's probably really different when you're setting boundaries with kids. I'm so curious what that looked like. Yeah, it was it was hard. Um, it was really hard because when when you set that boundary, like when I was talking before about you know my daughter and and I was spending all my time yeah. in the morning helping her or you know pushing her to get ready for school, which meant I couldn't do anything you know in the morning because mm-hmm. I needed to make sure that she was there, you know, and and staying on track. And so when I wanted to, I decided like every morning I'm going for a walk, which means I'm not going to be here for an hour, which means you cannot be in bed until I get home because then you're going to be late for school. And and so it is, it's that repetitive conversation and it's it's not just setting a boundary with her, it's setting a boundary within yourself. To say, no, no, this time for me is precious and I need that time. And and like you said, there was it's it's you set the boundaries and then you assess and then you reset the boundaries. And so it's a constant, you know, it's a constant process and you know, shifting the boundaries to to suit everyone. So 
even now, like, uh, you know, with my my older boys, it's like you're a 20, you're 21 and 22. Like you have the ability. I like, you know, you you go off to because over here they have, you know, schoolies at the end of, of college and they go off for a week and party and act like idiots. And it's like if you have the responsibility, if you're able to go away with your friends for a week and stay alive, then you can vacuum your own room and you can wash your own clothes. Yeah. And what I found, which was really interesting, is that I didn't get resistance from them so much, but from my partner. Mm. It was like, Mm. well, you're doing the washing. You might as well do theirs at the same time. I'm like, "Mm, no. (laughs) Right. Yeah. We are on the same page. What we want to create is independent, responsible adults. That's right. and when they move out, I'm not coming over once a week to do their washing. They need to be able to learn how to do that themselves. You know, they need to be able to cook for themselves. They need to be able to take care mm-hmm. of themselves because, you know, at some point that's going to end. And so that was, I got more resistance, honestly, from my partner than I did from my kids. But I do remember meditation was one of the first things I started to do when I was doing things for myself. And I remember distinctly, I was, I was only 10 minutes. And I would sit down in my chair, close my door, and without fail, somebody would walk in. And it was, it wasn't, so it was a boundary. And I would get up and I'd be cranky and I'd be frustrated and I would walk out and like, what do you want? What is it that you need? And so it was definitely, you know, you're setting that boundary with yourself because I had none. I had no boundaries. Yeah. Time on, you know, whatever they needed, I would drop anything and everything that I was doing. So yeah, the, the process of going through that with my kids wasn't necessarily that difficult um, because have a shorter training ground for them. Yeah, that's exactly right. That <laughs> Your husband exactly had been right. trained for a very long time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that is exactly right. So, yeah, so there it was. It was definitely a process of setting boundaries and resetting those boundaries. And and I think with your kids, it's important to to pass on that responsibility in a way that's you can do this like you are you you know you can do it this is a great way of you you know you're getting older and you're more responsible and so you can take control of this and you can do it in your own way Mm, yeah I love that and so then I guess my question is how did you get past that like what tips maybe for example do you have for our listener on how to set effective boundaries, because it sounds like you may have struggled with that a little bit in the beginning. So how did you adapt your approach so that the boundaries stuck and that not only were you able to adhere to your own boundaries to yourself, but that those around you were able to actually take those boundaries and honor them? Yeah, it was definitely consistency because in the beginning I faced, and and I think, you know, a lot of women will face a lot of resistance because you know, you're saying no, and it's okay to say, and that's the thing that we need to, to, I need to remind myself of every day. It is okay to say no, even to the people that you love. And mm-hmm. so it was definitely consistency and the responsibility of breaking that pattern is ultimately yours yeah. because they will keep trying to behave the way that they've always behaved. They will keep waiting for you or asking for you to do the things that you've always done. And so it is It is just gentle reminders. No, we've talked about this. So, for example, the meditation uh, example that I gave you before, months went by 
and I was constantly interrupted. 10 minutes every day, I would come into my room and I would close the door and I was interrupted every single time. And it just got to the point where I stopped getting up and I stopped opening my eyes. I just ignored them. Mm. It's like, and it was hard for me because I felt it felt wrong and it felt rude. You know, I didn't want to cause any arguments or issues, but I just sat there. I just sat there with my eyes closed and I waited them out. Yeah. And, and so I think that's that's the process that you go through. You just need to be consistent. You need to be courageous. You need to be determined and you need to reassess. Like we talked about, you need to reassess, you know, the boundaries too strong. Have I gone too hard, too fast? And, but it's also that gentle communication. No, this is, it's 10 minutes out of my, I'm sure you, if you, you know, the house is burning down, no one is dying. You can wait 10 minutes. Right. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's just that, you know, that process that you need to go through. It is definitely lots of consistency and, and it's more of that inner conversation that you have with yourself. This is, I'm worth this 10 minutes, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I need this time for myself. It is time for me to take back some time for myself. And they are more than capable of doing that for themselves. So it's, uh, I talk to myself a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And so I've heard you mention process a number of times here. And first, thank you for going through the pain of this, right? right. So <laughs> that you could look back and be like, okay, so now you emerge out of that and you emerge and blossom from that scenario. You have two grown kids and one who's 12, you made it through. Congratulations. And now you're an accountability and self-empowerment mama coach where you're coaching other moms to do the same and grow and develop. I'm curious out of that and the birthing of this program, did you birth a process? I mean, is there a five-step process that will save us moms (laughs) that are in this state yeah well it's um the process that I take my mums through is definitely initially it's a reassessment of Mm -hmm. every area of their lives so I'm not a marriage counselor I don't claim to be but I ask them to pick out you know the the five most important areas of their lives not their kids not their you know their partner that what is important to you so is it serving your community? Is it your health and well-being? Is it spirituality? Is it, you know, what is it? What is really important to you? If we just take you as, as an individual, as a beautiful human being that you are, what is important to you? And then we go through each area of that, of those, you know, each area of your life and go, all right, what is it? What is your ultimate goal? You know, what is your dream in this, in this, in each individual part of your life? And what can we do to really step that up and to really make that, you know, the best to, you know, so you're living the dream. Everybody deserves to live the dream. Yeah. And through that process, we look at, okay, so if you're not living the dream in your relationship at the moment, what obstacles are getting in your way? And usually it is, it's the boundaries. We I, They don't have strong boundaries. And so we go through that whole process of, all right, what does it look like right now? How much are you doing that you don't really want to do, that you don't really need to do? And how can we step that back? How can we delegate some of that stuff out? What is it, you know, ultimately our goal is to create, you know, responsible, independent, good human beings when we have kids. And so how much can you start doing that now? So that's the process that we that I go through. We look at each area of their lives. What is it that you want 
what is it that you want that's just for you? Well, I always make sure that they have a section that is like the best, hugest, most amazing dream that they've ever wanted. And let's let's start making that happen. Like my greatest fear is that for myself and for my clients is that, you know, we get to our 90s and we sit there going, oh, I like I have this wish list of things that I really wanted to do and I never got to do them. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody said to me over the weekend, when people do reach a certain age, most of the things they look back and regret are not the things that they did do, but the things that they didn't do. So I think that's really an important reminder for us. But here's what I also wonder is, I think personally speaking, my kids are getting to that point where they are getting older and they are independent. And so I think I struggle with knowing who I am and what I want to be because I have spent so much time focused on other people. It's almost as though I don't even know who I am anymore and what makes me happy. So how do you coach women into discovering or rediscovering, if you will, what it is that they want to pursue or what makes them happy? And you say, you want to help women live the dream. Well, what if I don't even know what the dream <laughs> looks like? So how do you help women get there? Yeah, lots. And a, a lot of women that I speak to are in exact that exact position. They have, they have shed so much of themselves in the process of becoming partners and mums that they really don't know what they want to do anymore. And, and so we start right back at the beginning with the basics. It's like, okay, so what did you want to be when you, when you, when you're a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? And what was it about that that really excited you? And maybe, you know, they wanted to be a teacher because they, they like to learn or they like to, to share knowledge. It's like, all right. So, and we just start, you know, exploring. Like, okay, so what hobbies did you like to do when you were a kid? What sports did you like to do when you were a kid? What music did you like to listen to when you were a kid? So we sort of, we go back, right back to sort of, the person that they were before they had kids. And yes, they're not the same person that they were. You know, they've, they've grown and they've developed and they've matured and they've changed so much. But it's a great starting point to say, okay, so here you are, you've been cooking spaghetti bolognese and mac and cheese for the last 12 years, every, you know, Tuesday and Wednesday of the week. Do you really like to eat that kind of food? What's your favourite food? Like, let's just really find out who you are. What is it that you've always wanted to try? Have you ever seen something on television or heard something on the radio and gone, I'd really like to try that? Let's explore all those opportunities, all those avenues, all those different things. And, and for me, it was something that came out of the blue, actually, to be honest. Like I, I never had the desire to travel when I was younger and, you know, never really wanted to move out of home. I moved into, you know, out of home when I got married and it was like walking uh, in the evenings with a girlfriend when my son was was at sports which was like three nights a week for like three hours a night and we were walking around and be like oh it's so good to you know we need to go on a holiday together we'd really like to go to to Italy mm. and 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 that was it and that was how it was born and for two years we squirreled little bits of money away every week and and we did it the two of us wow. went to Italy for three weeks. No kids, no husband. Oh. And it was the most amazing experience of our lives. 
And and so it just starts with stuff like that. You know, it's like when you do catch up with your girlfriends, what do you talk about? It's like, what do you do? Like, oh, I'd always, I've always wanted to do this. So that's that's where the passion is, you know, the and you you watch for the, you know, the change in their body language and the the change in their voice and the change in their breath. And, and it's like, yeah, you know, that that is something that I would really like to do. So that's how I start. I love that. I am also just curious too, you know, I I think I might have mentioned this before we got on. You know, I really struggle while well, I'm single. And so I feel like I'm always doing all of the things. And now my kids are getting a little bit older. And like I said, they are sort of locked in their bedrooms these days. And now I feel like they're old enough to stay on their own. I should be able to go out. I should be able to enjoy my life. But, you know, I went through this period of time when they would just be like, well, mom's not here. She's never here. She's so then I harbor this guilt, right? It's this mom guilt that I am actually doing something for myself now when I am here and I say, hey, let's play a game. Let's go on a walk. Let's, you know, watch a movie. Nah, nobody's interested in doing it, but they want me here. But they don't want me going out and doing my own thing. And so it's this real push pull, this internal dialogue that I have with myself that, you know, maybe I just should be here for the kids, you know, because I am divorced and their father is not always present. And so then I feel obligated to be that present parent. And then we get caught in the same conundrum where I'm not standing up for myself and I'm not finding space for myself. So I don't know what advice you have to share with me or our listener about this mom guilt, about feeling this sort of pull and this obligation to do these things or to be present when you know that you need to give yourself your own space. And go out with your girlfriends for the night, but it's really difficult to do that because you harbor this guilt. Yeah, and it's and it's a guilt that I think is it's bred into us because we are we're raised to believe that we are the the nurturers, we are the carers, and we are the protectors, and it is our job to always be there for our kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, my question to you would be: if your daughter you're both your daughters, are in the same position as you, do you want them to struggle the way you are struggling? Mm. And that was what really, that was one of the things that kept me going was me constantly asking myself, do I want my daughter to end up in the same position that, that I'm in? Mm. And the question, the answer was no, no, I don't. I don't want her to to feel this, this heavy sense of obligation and this guilt and and I don't want her to think that she has to, you know, get married and have kids and then become the lowest priority. Like yeah. I was I was under the dog, I was the lowest priority. And I don't want my boys to grow up and think that all they need to do is get married, have kids, and then, you know, their job is to go to work, bring home the money, and then sit on the couch and watch TV. Yeah. Mm. So that's that's what I kept asking myself is, you know, what am I, I don't want to, continue that cycle on in my kids. I want to be able to break that cycle. And the only way I can break that cycle is to stop doing what I'm doing and communicate that reason to my kids. 
And so that that would be my advice to you is to explain to your daughters that what you're doing, the life that you're living is not fulfilling and you don't want them to have an unfulfilling life. Like God forbid that they end up, you know, divorced. You, you know, it's it's not the life that you want for yourself. Mm-hmm. And and it's not the life that you want for them as adults either. It's a great point. And you know, I think there's this thing, right, where we get a need met out of being needed mm. as moms. Like there's a self-serving piece of this. And I've come to realize this more and more now that my son is 21 and he's quickly crossing over into not needing me at all anymore. And yes. that's hard. And I'm curious what happens to us moms when our teenagers or young adults no longer need us Hmm. yeah and that is that is a real struggle um because we are we're desperately hanging on to a role that we have filled for the last 20 odd years um and on the other end they are desperately trying to cut that cord so that they can go off and do their own thing and be their own person and and I struggled with that a lot. And I, I in a sense, I still do. I mean, my my eldest is 22. His girlfriend is actually living with us until they can afford to buy a home. Yeah. And and so that makes it even harder. Like if we if he had just moved out, then <laughs> right. that, that physical separation would make mm-hmm. it easier because you know I'm not there. We're not in the mm-hmm. same house. Or at least go half on a bill with me or something. Right. (laughs) That's exactly right. So it is, it's really hard. We have, you know, we identify ourselves as, as the mother, you know, Mm -hmm. at one point, you know, you're their sun and moon. And and now all of a sudden you feel more like Uranus because they (laughs) they just don't want to have anything to do with you. They don't need you. And, and I need to stop and remind myself on a regular basis that that's a cause for celebration. Ah. I've done a good job. I've done a good job because they are responsible, they are ready, they are independent, and they want to be out on their own. They know they can do it. They want to prove it to themselves. They probably even want to approve it to me because I'm, you know, desperately trying to keep them tied to the apron strings. But I need to celebrate that. I've done a fantastic job as a mother. And they are ready. They are ready to go out and and be responsible human beings. Yeah. So, um, and that is also what causes our sense of loss. You know, we mm-hmm. we grieve that. We grieve that role. You know, mm-hmm. I went through a long period of time when, you know, as they got bigger and bigger, I mourned the little children that they that they used to be because mm-hmm. I couldn't pull them into my laps any into my lap anymore, and I couldn't protect them, and I couldn't fix it, and I couldn't make it all better. Um, because they're just, you know, they're big boys now. They don't want that, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and they also need to learn to, you know, to solve their own problems and and that sometimes life is shit and not everything turns out the way that it's gonna that they want and not not all the time is is somebody gonna ride in and and fix it for them and fight mm-hmm. their battles. So, yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of reflection, a lot of um, yeah, there's a lot of growth and and grief and healing that needs to go on for us moms when our kids get with them mm-hmm. but I love that you know it's a cause for celebration and you know 
we should kind of pick that milestone and say, hey, when this happens, I'm going to celebrate yeah. me because I did yeah. it. <laughs> I did it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I love I'm that. I'm curious to know as well, just thinking about, um, you know, your partner. So a lot of times when the kids to become independent, then both partners even struggle with knowing who the other partner is because you have grown and changed over time so much and you've filled these roles and now those roles are no longer necessary. So is that something that you also help your clients do is to reconnect with a partner or a spouse in some way? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And it's, because ultimately, you know, that is one of the most important areas of their life is their partner, their marriage. And I think we find a lot of times, I definitely found for myself, that the kids become kind of a buffer, you know, between mm-hmm. the two of you. Um, and, you know, you go through stages where, you know, when you do get that rare opportunity to go out to dinner, what you talk about is the kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, exactly. And even now, like, you know, my, you know, my kids are older. And even now when we go out, we talk about, oh, you know, this person's doing this and this person's doing that. And, yeah, we're not happy about that. And, you know, that sort of thing. And we sort of try and consciously have conversations that don't involve the children. It's like, right, we're going out to dinner. We're not going to talk about the kids. Okay. All right. And, and there are, like, a lot of uncomfortable, like, silent mm-hmm. situations where you sort of sit there going, okay, yeah. <laughs> what are we talking right. about now? Because, you know, you mother and he parents as well and, you know, there's work and that sort of stuff. So it's definitely when when you're working through rediscovering who you are and what you like to do, it's like, right, now we need to discover what your uh, your partner likes to do and what is it that we can do together? Mm-hmm. What is it that we can share that, you know, that we can try, that we haven't tried before, that we can do, that we haven't done before, that we can go, you know, places that we haven't been before. So it's it's kind of a, you know, a, a re-meeting of each other, mm-hmm. I suppose, because you're so different from when you first got together. So it's kind of like you you start all over again in a, you know, in a different sense. I mean, there's obviously that comfort and and the knowing there, but you, it's like, okay, so now we've got all this time. What is it that we would like to do? And mm-hmm. start having those conversations. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Mm. It's beautiful. What, I would love to know if you've got any tips or tricks or tools that are sort of your go-to tools or the tools that you recommend for your client that you know, might help them through this process as they kind of evolve and emerge as independent women? Yeah, it's, um, I'm a huge believer in um, self-reflection. Mm. So when you, like when we're struggling with this situation, if you're struggling with, um, you know, with letting go of your children, the, the big question I always ask myself is like, you know, what do I want them to know? Like, what do I, how do I want them to, to develop? What kind of human beings do I want them to be? And what is it that they need to be able to do for themselves? Yeah. Um, that I am currently doing that I can let go of. So I'm a huge, huge believer in, in lots of self-reflection and, and having those same conversations with our partner so that we're both on the same page. 
because that was the one thing I also struggled with is that I was letting go and saying, no, they're responsible enough to do this. And my husband's like, oh, it's just easier if I do it. And so he mm. would then pick up the jobs that I was doing and do it for them. I'm like, no, that's that's not, if we're on the same page, then they need to be left to do the, that themselves. So mm. um, the tips and tools that I have is definitely lots of reflection and really setting those boundaries. And it's an experimental process like we just uh, we discussed. It's just like start small. Start small with like if you don't have time for yourself, then you start like creating yeah. 10, 15 minutes of undisturbed time a day and then you work up to a couple of hours a week. And I don't think we realise how important taking care of ourselves is. Um, and I would I would always recommend that that is the first thing we do is make sure we fill our cup because mm. when you're going through anything, whether it's like, you know, your kids leaving home or getting to the stage where they don't need you anymore or, you know, issues with, you know, the, the delegation of responsibilities around the house, trying to deal with that when you're tired and sleep deprived and stressed and anxious and you know feeling unhealthy and like crap it's it's just so much harder so I would always recommend that the first person you need to start looking after is yourself Mm -hmm. and even if that's drinking more water going for a half an hour walk every day um so my major tips for, for all the mums out there is to start taking care of yourself as much as you can, in the even in the smallest ways possible. And then it's, yeah, it's just a matter of working out what you want the end result to be, regardless of what it is, and work backwards from there. Mm. Work backwards from there. Okay, if I take one step back from that amazing goal, what was the the, the thing that I did prior to that and then prior to that and then you you slowly work out your own milestones for you know for creating that change that you want yeah. in your life. that's beautiful yeah I love that well Tanya it's been so lovely having you join us today I I really just personally resonate so much with this conversation so oh. We appreciate you and all of your guidance. If our listener wanted to find you and seek out your advice or some of your resources, where could she find you? Yep. So um, I've got my own website, which is tanyamariecoaching.com. And I'm on Instagram as tanyamariecoaching. And I'm also on Facebook as tanyamarielifecoach. So I would, yeah, love, love, love to to connect with um, with any and all of your listeners. I've got like a free 30-minute free chat. If all you want to do is brainstorm, unload, um, you know, try and get some form of direction and guidance and some kind of ear, a sounding board, then we can have a chat for, for 30 minutes. That's a beautiful offer. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much. It's been such a joy. We appreciate you and your time. We know it's precious. So thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. I've absolutely loved it. What a fantastic conversation. Mm, So good. Yes. So good. I mean, I definitely need to take a page out of Tanya Marie's book on how to set boundaries mm-hmm. for sure. Let's jump into our top five. Let's, Let's do that. Do okay. All right. So number one, 
I thought this was so powerful. When we make ourselves our last priority, we also teach the people around us that we are the lowest priority. Yes. <laughs> so powerful. And it doesn't have to be that way forever. You, my friend, can choose a different path. Amen. Amen. And number two, reversing the habits that you've created. Honey, that can take time. And it's not just training your children and family that they're capable of reversing their habits, but you also have to take the time necessary to train yourself that you can change and reverse these habits. For sure. Number three, setting effective boundaries requires consistency over time. A lot of gentle reminders. And sometimes maybe you have to sit back and reevaluate your boundary to determine if there are simple shifts and adjustments that need to be made so that that boundary is more effective. This leads us to number four, that when you're rediscovering yourself, take the opportunity to reflect on who you were before you were in your partnership or before you had children, or like I like to say, who you were before the path rearranged you. (laughs) Ask yourself, what were your dreams and aspirations? What did you enjoy doing then? What did that little girl inside of you dream of? This is a good starting point for you to rediscover who you are today. Yes, I love that one. Mm. And finally, five, as moms, we need to learn to celebrate when our children reach that age of independence and become self-sufficient. We should not mourn this time Because this means that we have fulfilled our role as mom and taught them well. Girl, let your kids go become independent humans and you can free yourself to live life on your terms. Amen. 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 So baby girl, join us in this quest as we continue to rediscover ourselves, as we continue to set boundaries, Mm. as we continue to build and reimagine the life we want and become the women, not only that we were meant to be, but damn it, that we want to be. Hell yeah. That we want to be. (laughs) We want. Yes, and share this with a friend. You've got that girlfriend out there that you're like, honey, that path then rearranged you too. (laughs) Share, Share this with her. Link arms with her, link arms with us. And remember, we are all in this together, baby girl. And we can't wait to see you next week when we all get back here again in the middle.